Thank you for tuning in to the fuckers looking secret society of stuff. It was the last moon of December. The moon of the long snow falling. And the old man began to tell this story. I know I don't want to grow up. What's there to grow up to? I've been referred to as being like a lot self-destructive and I've been put down by the same people for being self-destructive. So when I look at them and I know that I can like pinpoint it and say that's what they're doing, it's really, it's really odd because, you know, they would get mad at me for like getting too drunk and driving too fast or something. And for them, you know, they can walk into walls and cut up their arms and stuff and it's not the same thing. Self-destruction is kind of just a means of showing that what you, if you're cutting up your body or whatever you're doing, it's sort of marking it as it's your own. It's one thing that you can call completely and totally your own. And, you know, it's like so much of people's identity is being taken away. You still, you still need a personal identity. They're just seeing the same thing happening to them that's happened to their parents. And just the same, I don't know, sort of waste of life. Yeah, I'm still here. You're just gonna have to deal with the music. No, no, no. The music left. The music left. The music left. Now you just sound like you're like a space case, like you're paranoid. The music's gone. I don't hear the music anymore. <laughs> no, just telling you, motherfucker. The music stopped. Hey, I you ever put you. peanuts in your Dr. Pepper? Uh, years ago. Uh, where, where did this fucking trip? My grandfather taught me how to do it in East Texas, and I've been fucking obsessed with it ever since. <laughs> right. It's weird, right? Yeah, it is. It is a strange one. Uh, oh, and there she is. Hey, Tony. Tony. Yeah. Can she hear? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Can you hear us, Tony? I can. Can you hear me? Awesome, loud and clear. Yeah. Loud and clear. Word, we did it. We did yeah. it. 
Or do your mother, Tony. Just, no, nobody trip over the cord in the process. And we'll be hey, right. nobody trip. Just period. Don't be whack. Whatever happens. What would happen if Boys to Men came out with another album and it was called like Men to Old Men or, or I don't know, something like that. I think that it would kill as an album. I'd buy it. I'd listen to Men to Old Men. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, so Tony, tell me about yourself. I, I, I'm, I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts that you've been on, and I've, I, I, I've watched your videos, which are fucking hilarious, and I watch them over and over. Why, why did you start doing this? I'm so grateful that you watch them over and over, therefore pleasing the <laughs> algorithm with view counts. Second, everybody, a moment of silence. All praise be to the algorithm. (laughs) Our ultimate overlord, the one that dictates everything about what we see and how we perceive the world in front of us. James Cameron told us in the 80s this shit was going to happen. He did? uh, How did James Cameron know that was going to happen? Just with with the Terminator Skynet bullshit, you know. I don't think James Cameron wrote that, though, did he? Was it not Cameron? It may not have been Cameron. (laughs) Did he? Who gives a shit? Maybe. Actually, uh, Terminator was written by... Oh, fuck. I just don't care. I just don't... Who gives a fucking shit? I don't care. When did you become a a comedian? When did you start getting on stage? Oh, I started doing stand-up about 10 years ago. And it was a bit of a fluke scenario because I focused more on on writing I was a writer and a friend of mine was like oh you wrote this really funny story you should submit it to this podcast called risk I was like oh okay cool and I submitted it not really thinking about it and they were like yeah we would love for you to come tell your story and I actually am notoriously bad at researching anything I'm a part of. I'm just like, I'm going to trust the grand divine wisdom of the cosmos. So I didn't even look up what I was doing. And for some reason, I confused podcasts with like poetry slam. Like, I, I don't know why. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll be like in a coffee shop and I'll wear a beret. Like, I just did not anticipate at all what I was about to do. And I got the address of the venue and I was like, oh, okay, didn't really look up the address. You know, none of the things that I guess a normal person would do. Oh, shit. And, I, and it was, um, it was like the closing night of the Women's Comedy Festival in Boston. And there were 300 people in the audience and I had never spoken into a microphone before. And I was like, oh my fucking god and that i was like back in the green room and everyone in the green room was like a stand-up comic or a professional storyteller and i was like i've never spoken into a microphone like how do you get the microphone out of that little stand and i was freaking the fuck out and then the minute i got on stage I was like, oh, I'm fine. This is amazing. Like, I belong here. <laughs> That's so crazy. People tell me, like, if, if they're meant to be on stage, all of the hesitation and fear melts away back into the unconscious. But the people who are not meant to be on stage are totally calm prior to going on stage. But the second that they put their foot out into the spotlight, it's the opposite. And it's oh, a strong- wow. Yeah, it's become become a shit too. So, once this happened, what what did you do with this opportunity? 
Well, I ended up like doing really well in that circumstance and became very arrogant, you know? And I was like, I am a natural and I am a stand up comic. And I went to a few open mics and I, I have to say, this is like so obnoxious retrospectively. So to admit this in public is embarrassing, but I did an open mic and, you know, I was one of two women out of maybe like 40 people. And everyone was kind of like in their early 20s and they were all dudes. So I ended up entering this contest and just lied. And I was like, I've been doing comedy for five years. I just fucking lied in in New York. And I ended up doing really well in that contest. And that was like the third time I'd ever been on stage. And so then I was like, I am a phenom, you know, like I was so (laughs) going to not do well. And so then I started getting booked in some shows in New York. And at first, I think my arrogance of just being really green at something, being really new, it was okay for a minute. Like I did really well every time I got on stage. And then there was just this moment of self-awareness, this transition where I was suddenly just was like, wait, what am I doing? And then I just like created like almost a performance art experience of bombing where I would just perform to silence, just pure silence. Oh God. And that happened like a couple of times. I mean, I think that was kind of like a place in my stand-up career where certain things were working and certain things were not. And I just didn't have the intelligence or the experience to be clear about that. I think that now after, you know, much more time and stage has passed, I'm probably a lot more succinct and, you know, I have just like a lot more experience. I think I just started off wicked arrogant and then needed to be very humbled in order to crawl out of the ditch of what it is to really deal with like performance on stage. Did, did the virus, uh, did the pandemic affect your, you know, vision for the future? I know you were, you were wanting to go out in front of a, you know, an, an audience, but I'm, I'm sure that having to stay locked up at home changed that, especially with the rate at which your, your following was growing. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I used to go to New York city to perform and Obviously, I could not do that for a long time. And I did, you know, I've actually been making videos for the internet for a decade. Like, I wasn't like, I should try making a video for the internet. Like, I've been doing this for a long fucking time. I just think that what happened is more people were on the internet. And for whatever reason, more people were interested in the type of content that I was providing. Right. Um, but I have been chipping away at that rock of, you know, making myself relevant on social media for a really actually quite a long time. I don't I don't understand TikTok. I, I, I don't no one's ever explained it to me. And then the one person who did said, you just have to get it or don't get it. And I said, fuck you. Oh, I can explain TikTok. Hell yeah. Oh, so tell me. Okay, so I think that TikTok began as one thing, which was, you know, this app where young kids were using it and it like had this whole lip syncing vibe to it. And then it kind of started moving into dances and trends. 
And then I think it has morphed now into an information disseminator along with this concept of trends. So I think what's kind of interesting if you look at it from a collective consciousness point of view is that for most of, you know, comedy specifically, I'll just speak about comedy, which is what I know best about, it would be very hacky to repeat comedy you've heard within another context. And so that would be considered a major taboo. Give me an example, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, if, if you stole someone's joke or you had a style similar to another person, yeah. it would be considered a hack. Oh my God, I'm a hack. With TikTok, TikTok is about trends and it's about taking your personal perspective of a trend and how can you make that more unique to yourself. So there is an entire universe of TikTok that is about the collective consciousness and using media or using ideas or using jokes and recycling them with your own flavor. That is not what I personally do on TikTok. I actually am still kind of old school about my perspective of comedy and am searching for something that I think is impossible anyway, which is like an authentic perspective because everything right. we say is ultimately really recycled. So I do, I'll go back to the arrogance of my personality, like thinking anything I say is authentic is completely arrogant. But I do think that TikTok is interesting from a societal perspective of looking at things less about ownership and like psychological IP, you know, intellectual property, or being in the know of what is the cool IP to have. Does that make right, sense? Then, yeah, that does make sense. And, and you know, like they say that there's no new things under the sun. And I, I agree, but I also disagree. I think that that it's the variations, just what you were talking about. It's it's variations of ideas that are built upon one another that ultimately create new things, you know? So if you're working with the same set of ingredients, it, it's going to look like there's no new things under the sun until you put the ingredients together and make something new. So I, 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 I appreciate you creating original content and, and trying you know, your best to be authentic because it does shine through. Thank you for noticing. I really do try. And maybe just the intention of trying is what is interesting. I, whether or not I always achieve, I do think that, you know, I think the thing that makes art interesting, like what makes a photograph interesting or a painting interesting, I always kind of believe that it's about how it's conceived, like what the photographer or the painter or the dancer, whoever was putting into the art as they were making it. And that is what you're receiving is the process rather than the product. Yeah. So it's like so many times you can look at abstract art and some of it will speak to you and some of it will not. And I really do believe that it's about receiving the process of the artist. That is what's connecting. I, I'm not too sure if the product is even that important. Right. It's the intent. It's yeah. the intent and the process behind the intent, you know, that, or that forms the intent. Your stuff is so heavily saturated with, and that's, that's why we, we wanted to have you on the podcast. We, we mainly focus on UFO shit. I mean, that's, that's pretty much our, our gig, you know, like we, we stick to the shtick and you do the whole reptilian overlord I mean, is, is there, does that spring from personal beliefs or is it just kind of just silly as shit and that's the reason you use it? 
Well, I mean, I do get chastised when I talk about our, our reptile lizard elite just because <laughs> there is this um, history of, I guess, this kind of concept being anti rooted in anti-Semitism. But, you know, I think that the left-wing conspiracy theorists like the David Icke, I mean, is David Icke an anti-Semite? I actually truly don't know. It is something I should look up. But I was always told that like Hillary Clinton is a lizard person and like Bill yeah. Clinton is a lizard person. I didn't I had never seen it as a um, as an anti-Semitic comment, but some people have, you know, alerted that to my attention. So I, I think that there is this um, I think of it as a more of a metaphor. And I, I've done a video about this, um, about, you know, the lizard part of one's brain and the reptilian instinct of survival that lacks the mammalian compassion and empathy that feels so crucial in terms of what we would want our leaders to be and how they seem to lack the ability to make any decisions based with their hearts. And oh, shit. So, I haven't seen that uh, fucking video. Where's that video? Yeah, I know, right? Oh, yeah. It's called... Um, <laughs> It's about the ruling lizard elite. I'm wearing a green sweatshirt. I'll send it to you. Please do. And you yes. know, on, on that same note, there there are some pretty fucking racists. <laughs> I mean, like, and I, I'll like during the podcast, like if you if you ever listen to it, uh, I'll I'll make a little beeping noise and then I'll interject whenever I think something is really fucking racist, like uh, the tall whites. I mean, obviously, really fucking racist. Um, the 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 idea that the the saviors are the uh, what do you call them, uh, Rob? The um, the the Nordics. What do you call them? Yeah, uh, Palladians. The Palladians yeah. from the Palladian system. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh yeah. God. Hey, I'm not xenophobic. Some of my closest friends are Palladians. The, the mythology <laughs> of this stuff is so. It's it's like we're watching a a new mythology form right before our eyes. And it's such a, a, a blessing to be able to see from a, from a thinker standpoint, you know, to imagine like being around in the Hellenistic times and, and seeing these Greek mythology come to life around you. Oh, Zeus is living in the fucking, in the mountains up there. And we've seen sightings of him. I mean, that this shit hasn't happened in millennia. And it's happening now, and I'm I'm just so fascinated by it, and I think we're pretty lucky to 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 watch this all unfold. Yeah, I mean, I do think that because we live in a white supremacist society, of course, white supremacy is going to be deeply embedded in the mythology. That is just, I think, a symptom of the white supremacist brainwashing that we are all subject to, and I think it is just important to kind of investigate it but at the same time i do think that when it comes to interdimensional beings or extraterrestrials or i don't know i i think that there is a way in which anything can be co-opted to prove a white supremacist narrative but i would like to also you know like continue the conversation beyond that lens because i do right. think there is something happening and also it's like I did a video about this and just the strange relationship of the Pentagon either hiding information or putting information out. It's like anytime the Pentagon's like aliens aren't real, I'm like aliens are real. And the Pentagon is like aliens are real. I'm like, no, they are not. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, like, direct rebellion.
rebellion to the status quo. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. This is there's something obviously going on. And I think that there's a, like it's a multifaceted. I think that there is something probably I don't want to say magical, probably you know, pan-dimensional or ultra-terrestrial that's affecting certain segments of the population whom we call experiencers. And then there, there's there's probably most definitely an extraterrestrial aspect to it all as well. And the way people describe these things isn't what it is. It's just they're painting their own worldview onto their experience. And sometimes if, if we live in a male dominated society, that's going to come out as a, as a, you know, male oriented vision of, of the experience. Luckily, most of the experiencers have been good grounded people who don't want to take over the world, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, you kind of made me think about just the depiction of aliens, too, in media are often, I mean, they kind of seem pansexual because they have like a blank crotch, you know, but they are masculine. Like E.T. was definitely a boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, it's funny that I never really thought about that, but I do think there is this kind of perception that all aliens are masculine with or without their blank crotches i mean maybe they're pansexual but i don't know i do think that the media does present them more as as male you know it's it's funny you bring that up i, I remember reading when i first got into this about the um the gray alien and there was a, a doctor uh, i cannot remember his name it's on wikipedia i'll beep it in later but he said that that the gray alien is probably an archetype of the fetus in the womb. And if you look at the, the creature, it, it looks like an undeveloped human being. And the similarities he drew between the tooth in a, in a kind of a union sense was really, really out there. And that's what I love reading about, out there shit. It just makes me, there, there's some people are, are inspired by uh, suffering uh you know the normal artist shit but there is another source of artistic inspiration that exists entirely separate from that and i think that it's a, a sense of wonder of the universe around you and we live in a world so rich with that right now that it is a crime not to tap into it and use it to make something new yeah i mean i also think that the gray aliens are a but potential depiction of humans in the future that are kind of like disembodied in the sense that everything is, you know, in a microchip in our brains. And so we're not really using our bodies because we're in this VR world in which we're <laughs> participating. So our bodies are really like skinny and our bellies are distended. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't need genitals. You don't need muscles. You just are like these skinny little, <laughs> skinny little bodies with big brains because it's all happening in a VR set. And th another thing is they say that as technology increases, you know, as it steps up, our, our interpretation of the phenomenon changes Right. So, uh, you know, back in the 80s, it was all uh, about genetics because genetic science had, had come up. And now it's it's starting to turn into this um, 
uh, AI kind of thing. Oh, they must be AIs from the future. Um, soon it's going to be, yeah, you just called, I think the future of it is that they're, they're, they're disembodied meta creatures, you know, that have found a way into our universe. I mean, so, it's going to change every 10 years. And that's what Jacques Vallée said. He said that these things are, are, they mimic or anticipate our future technological advances. I don't know if I said that right. I probably didn't. I sound like an idiot sometimes. You should know that. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think it's almost like, again, we're looking at the collective consciousness and what things have been implanted into our brains and then what we're adding to it, you know? Right, right. And I do, it's, I do kind of wonder and think that a lot of the extraterrestrial contact is it necessarily from another planet or is it from another dimension or is it from another timeline? Are they just humans from another timeline that have gone through a process of evolution where, you know, they've kind of become, you, you know, like our evolution of looking yeah, at yeah. our world in the VR, like how would that affect our bodies? We would lose all of our hair. And if we don't have enough sunlight, maybe our skin would be gray. Like maybe right. that is just humans from the future, from a different timeline that are, doing parallel play in timelines, not necessarily planets. But you were going to say something about the unconscious. Well, yeah, I mean, I know that like with DMT, you know, a lot of people, there's collective hallucinations that people have like around elves or fairies or something. But is that because that's what we hear from stories or is what <clears throat> we hallucinate, what we put into stories, like what came first, the chicken or the egg? So I do think there is this kind of like interesting webbing that happens when it comes to how we hallucinate or experience extraterrestrials. Because who's to say we're even experiencing them as they are seen? I think it's very clear from a scientific standpoint that we do not see or perceive most of reality. You know, it's like our brains are filtering out a massive amount of data in order to make it so our feeble consciousness can perceive reality in a way that makes sense to us. And so, you know, it's like when you do DMT, when you do drugs, when you do acid or when you hallucinate in aliens, are you just, you know, opening up and just seeing reality of what's always there? You just don't have access to it because your brain is so limited. Interesting. It's like I work with um, a healer. Of course I do. I'm a white woman in America, but I have a healer and, you know, she is it Reiki? Pardon? Is it Reiki? Reiki? What is it? Oh, I definitely do Reiki, but this woman does um, different stuff. She'll be like, oh, you have an elemental in your third chakra. Or she'll be like, you have an ET in your in your um, sixth chakra, in your third eye. And she will literally describe exactly how I'm feeling because I just had an ET in my third eye. She's like, yeah, you're feeling a lot of self-doubt and just like really questioning of yourself. You're having a hard time having any vision of your future. Like she described exactly what I felt. And she was like, wow. I'm just going to remove this ET from your third eye. And she was like, Bleh! and remove the ET from my third eye. And I'm not kidding. It was like the next day I felt so much better. I, I felt it was remarkable. And she does this for me all the time. So I do think there is something kind of interesting and granted you could – 
say a thousand things about how I'm incorrect or how I'm just projecting or no, but rather you know, what, what happened? Well, who was that that described something exactly like that before it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's a book I read. Michael Crichton travels. He, oh, he did that the, book. Yeah. I'm sorry. Keep going. I apologize. I love, I love Michael Crichton. Um, and I love that book. Yeah. So, and anyway, but so I guess my point of even that story is that I've had this, I mean, I've been working with this woman for 10 years now almost, and she's helped me in so many different circumstances where I kind of will have this emotional malaise or this depression or just this, you know, these really kind of, um, oppressive negative feelings and I'll go and I'll see her and it I'm totally open to it being the power of suggestion and my own placebo but also there is this possibility that there is interference that happens with the extra extraterrestrial beings that exist and you know maybe they are trying to get our attention maybe they're trying to wake us up maybe they're feeding off our energy source there is you know, no way I can know. But to be curious about that, I think is kind of interesting. And the possibility that these ETs are impacting our emotional, psychological, spiritual selves, to me is kind of fascinating. And to have people that are able to have communion with them and then like take the ET out of my sixth chakra. I have a lot of gratitude for that. Even if it is in my own head, I definitely felt better after. How can something so buck fucking wild seem so ordinary and realistic today as opposed to if you had heard this you know in the late 70s well i think I, it's, I, in west the western world it would be more frowned upon as you know semi-psychotic but i think for a lot of you know other traditions there was always this kind of acceptance and interest in the uh, healing work that's on the energetic field. And it would maybe be described in a variety of different ways, you know, but energy work is ancient. Well, yeah. And it's real. It's real. Yeah, it's definitely real. It's, it's 100% real. There, there are so many of these hidden aspects of not just humanity, but of you know, the universe. And, and, and I was having a, a conversation with one of our, our regulars. His name is Daniel Lewski. And he said that, that the, the, the problem he believes with Western civilization, one of the problems, I think that Western civilization should be scrapped and restarted completely. But he believes that when science detached itself from mysticism, which is its roots, you know, that's where science comes from. I mean, we know that it's, it's, it was totally bound up in, in alchemy um, and astrology. And, it, and at some point, the scientific method split those things up. But he said that, that we've lost touch with that mystic aspect, that um, uh, metaphysical aspect. And, and in doing so, we've literally lost touch with the reality that keeps us bound to the energy of the planet. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, I think believing in magic and believing in the mystical isn't good for business. And no, it's much no, better no. for business when you look, you know, for um, major industries to solve all your physical, psychological problems. Right. I think I think every HR department should have a fucking wizard. Hell yeah. And a witch. You know, 
the army has Wiccan, what are they called, priests? I mean, certainly, I can get a fucking wizard if I want one, right? I mean, I think the army is actually probably doing some of the deepest funding in this type of work, even though they're actively pursuing the public not to. But from what I understand, the government and the and DARPA and these different subsections of um, the U.S. government are putting uh, billions of dollars in this type of stuff. MK Ultra, Mind Control, all of this. Stargate. Yeah. yeah. I don't think just because they got found out, they stopped doing it. Have you tried CRV yet? Controlled remote viewing? No, that terrifies me. Yeah, my friend Carlos um, has been calling me, and he says it's like exercising. And, and his first couple attempts were impressive, but the stuff he's been sending me lately is, uh, I, I mean, it's it's so accurate. He's drawing maps of the. So he's places. like astral projecting, and. Well, I, they don't know what it is. I don't think it. I don't think it's astral projection, or it may be. Essentially, it's like the two, the two, fuck, I don't, it was created by this guy named uh, Monroe, who one day had an out-of-body experience, and it so disturbed him that he, he, he tried to forget about it, and then it kept happening to him for some weird reason. And he was a radio broadcaster, you know, he was like a producer, owner of a radio station or something like that, and he then decided to devote his part time as you know whatever time he wasn't using for working to find a method to allow him to pop out of his body at will and he developed over time with a team of you know like-minded wizards i guess you could say uh uh this this process called the the hemisync process yeah mm-hmm, where, yep. yeah yeah beats and all that stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, and the CIA picked it up, and they ran the program for what thirty years, Rob? Thir- is it thirty? Hey, still yeah, going. I think it was about 30. So Carlos picked this up, and he he was just wondering if it was real or not. And he's science minded. If you try and you know in- induct him into a UFO cult without his knowledge, he's gonna get pissed. Uh-huh. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, he says uh, from what I've heard and from the conversations we've had we're 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 living in a reality that is much more accessible um this this crazy side of it is much more accessible than we've been led to believe because he's only been working on it for two months and the results he's been having are uh literally out of this world i gave him the coordinates for um venus and he described Venus to me, specifically the image that I was thinking about, which is the Veneris lander. Mm. Yeah, no, I have seen that stuff. I definitely believe that it's possible. And I was told that in a past life, I did that quite a lot. But that really, this cur- yeah, this is what I was told. But in this current life, I'm more interested in using my attentions for other things on this planet. Tony, that was, that was super subtle, Tony. (laughs) But, um, I do want to say there is a really interesting TV series that I watched about this exact thing and it was really well done. I I wish I could remember the name. Maybe you could 
look it up for me. Yeah, the uh, name actually of the program is, oh, can't do it. I mean, I think for me uh, personally, I am an incredibly um, ambitious person. And I think a lot of my self-esteem and sense of self comes from working. And my identity is very intimately and deeply entwined with work and how I am perceived right. with my work. So it is just such a huge part of my sense of self. And I'm a writer. I've, I've written scripts. I've made films. Some are comedy. Some are not. You know, I, I'm really interested in also like a dream of mine beyond even creating and making content is just like connecting one-on-one -on -one with people and doing like, I, I would like love to have an advice column, like all sorts of things like that. And like being a part of the shifting of consciousness, I guess, in whatever way, shape and form that would take. Do you think that the metaverse is going to have any part of this or is that going to be dead on impact? I don't know. I feel kind of torn. I owe a lot to social media and to technology and I play in the waters of technology and I am interested in how technology can be used as a means of progress. But I don't think the revolution is a tech revolution. I think it's a spiritual revolution. And so if we don't do the spiritual work, I don't think any technology is going to add to our personal psychic evolution. I think it's actually going to just further distract us and divide us uh, from an economic perspective because obviously technology is resources and costs money. And so I have a kind of a deeper fear of the wealth divide that a lot of this advanced tech will create on society. And I don't think the answers are in microchips. I think the answers are in our own hearts. And I believe that our true evolution comes from connecting to nature and connecting to an esoteric sense of self that is beyond the material world. So I don't think that tech, tech is a, is not the answer to me. I just think it's um, part of our brain evolution. I do not think it's our heart or soul evolution. Do you, do you put any faith in the uh, the Roswell landings or the crash retrievals that you you may have heard about over the years? I mean, I am so mistrustful of any information that is provided for us like through some government lens even if it is like seemingly grassroots I just think there is I just am like uh, there feels to me to be a massive manipulation going on with this whole conversation around you know aliens or alien bodies or alien spaceships and I mean I've obviously watched the Bob Lazar documentary He's, yeah. He seems like yeah. a cool dude, but I don't know. I, I think that our relationship to these, this kind of extraterrestrial world, it really has to come from a personal intuitive space. And I do not trust the mouthpiece of the media or the government to spoon feed that to me. And so I am very skeptical about information that gets out in a way that is kind of also being broadcast by any sort of media <clears throat> that is owned by Rupert Murdoch. Fuck Rupert Murdoch. 
Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, the truth is, is there an echo? Am I tripping on acid? Yeah, I've, I've got one too. Rob, oh. Rob, can you hear me? Stop, stop being so stop racist. Being so it's racist. upsetting it's anchor. anchor. Whenever Rob gets, he's it's really sensitive to racism. Rob, stop, stop being racist. Can you hear me, Rob? Yeah, I can hear you. My wife tried to call. I'm having to call her for my daughter's phone. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry about that, Tony. Oh, is it better? Yeah, it's much better. He was just having some thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of what you were saying, the thing that to me is slightly upsetting is that there is no public consent about the developments that are happening within scientific labs, and we have no consent about what gets funded and what doesn't get funded, and there's obviously a lot of agenda when it comes to scientific funding and what businesses will um profit and what businesses and industries will profit. So I think there is a real lack of transparency also. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, the average civilian is accepting it as much as they're also completely ignorant of what is being developed until it's kind of too late and it's already out in the marketplace. And I think well, that's something that's really dangerous is that we don't we're not a part of the conversation when it's down to the research and development and whether or not we want this technology as part of our, you know, right. society. And we, we're not a part of these choices at all, except no. for, I guess, as consumers, we can choose whether or not to purchase them. But by then, the marketing machine is already doing its thing to manipulate you into believing it's a need. Yeah, that's no power. That's no choice. It, 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 the science itself has become politicized, and that's the one thing that will bring a civilization down faster than any other is when the one thing that cannot possibly be politicized is politicized. We are fucked. We're yeah. fucked. It means we're that anyway, people, our fiat is fucking worthless. So. Well, I mean, you know, I always have hope, <laughs> but but we have to find a way to to make people you know, think again to, to use that part of their brain that isn't um, just do, totally dualistic in nature. They're, all, they're only thinking red and blue. And so anything that doesn't fit into those two categories is automatically dismissed as a hoax. I saw a picture of a guy on Facebook last night holding a sign with his son that said, Happy Father's Day. The only reason you're here is because your dad wasn't queer. What the fuck? Ooh, what the fuck is wrong with people? Dude, I... I that, well, I mean, that you, 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 had, you had idiots on January 6th storming the fucking Capitol with their kids with them. I mean, what the fuck? Wait, 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 let's go back to the first statement. Gay, homosexual men can can make babies. Right. <laughs> they, I mean, what what the fuck is wrong with these, these hillbillies? Don't even. That's not even a good joke. Like they right. make babies. Homosexual men, gay men can make babies. What the fuck? It's just right. that's the kind of shit that we're up against. People don't care about science anymore. They don't care about what's real and what's fake. They only care about what they're fed. Right. They they only care about what you're doing that is of no harm to them. So I mean. Well, I also think in terms of the way we consume media is often 
in order to reaffirm beliefs that we already have. And so it's very easy to have a worldview and then direct and curate your media that reaffirms your view of society. And I think that what's very disarming and um, confusing to people is when their view of society starts to break down. And I think a lot of these people, you know, left or right, you're taught that things are a certain way from your parents. And so the adults that you trusted provided a framework of which for you to understand reality. And when that starts to break down, it has a major impact on you from a gut trauma level of like, we, can I not trust the wisdom of my parents? If I can't trust them on this, like what else can't I trust them about? And a lot of people aren't interested in traveling down that emotional path. So most political beliefs are inherited. It's very uncommon that, uh, it, I mean, of course it happens, but it's, un, it's less common for people to have worldly beliefs that contradict that of which they were raised from a religious standpoint or from a political standpoint. So I do think that a lot of people are holding on to paradigms because it feels safe and it also feels connected to their childhood or to their parents or to their upbringing. And, you know, you don't want to let go of those things because it starts to let go of your sense of self and identity, which is a thread that when you start pulling can be very terrifying for some. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. I, I think that in that in that same vein, um, well, first of all, when we're when we're born in, in, into this world, we're we're still part of a tribe, you know, that natural order that somehow ruled for hundreds of thousands of years before agriculturalism, you know, mysteriously began, um, you know, we, we, we were in tribes, hunter gatherers. We, we followed the migratory routes of animals. And so when we're born, we have a family and that's the closest thing to that natural order that we'll ever, you know, feel. So when we begin going to school, which is, let's face it, an indoctrination program to get us ready for society. Um, I think it, I think it, I think it shocks some young men. And, and, and I think that that's might be one of the leading causes for these school shootings is, is the, that, that contrast between the, the the natural right way, which is, you know, to be, you know, if, if there's any rules enforced upon you, they're enforced upon you by people that you love and respect. And then going into this new world where you're bullied and, and treated like shit and rules are, you know, that you don't understand are everywhere and you're constantly being punished for just trying to make it through the day. I, I you know, I think that there's some really serious problems on some really basic, you know, foundational levels of society that need to be addressed now, today, this minute. I think that they need to start focusing on the, the problems that are the root for all the other problems. Yeah, I mean, not only are we one of the most violent you know, countries on the planet. But, you know, if you think about where our military um, holds space within our government spending, it's our violence is a massive priority as a nation. And so, yes, violence is going to have a trickle down effect into society. And also in the Western world, there are no rites of passage for young people when it comes to their adulthood. So, 
I mean, there's been a lot of really interesting talks about this from an anthropological standpoint is that we are a nation of uninitiated adults that haven't gone through sacred, sacred ritual of adulthood or sacred ritual of leaving behind childhood. And by being uninitiated, we have this like deep emotional immaturity because we haven't gone through a process, a spiritual process of shifting from child to adult, which was part of um, most of human history. There was very elaborate ritual around becoming an adult and these rites of passage. So I think there's a lot going on from a societal perspective when it comes to A, our violent military and B, our lack of um, spiritual rituals around transitioning yeah didn't joseph campbell say something about that about how the reason that there's gangs in america is because they're trying to find a rite of passage that we've lost sounds like something joseph campbell would say i love that man i could listen to that dude talk uh, you know on end for the rest of my life i just love him yeah he's very groovy alan watts is starting to get a little grating oh yeah yeah, I, I, I've just every fucking video I, I, I see now is some goddamn trance song where he's talking about, you know, breaking free of your constraint and, and moving on to another fucking dimension. And it's yeah, dry. I heard those songs too. God, dude, just stop it already. Move on to your dimension. Let's go. <laughs> well, um, Tony, we've had you for an hour. I, I don't want to keep you any longer than, than what we scheduled, but I, I just I wanted to say I'm I'm so fucking thankful that you came on to speak with us. Your 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 insights are valuable. Your comedy is worthwhile. You're a, a very special person, and, and we wanted to thank you for that. Oh, I so appreciate that. Thank you. That's very kind to say. Um Rob. It's, it's nice to have some feminine energy on the show, too. Oh, yeah, that's oh. right. Absolutely. We don't, we don't get that often enough. Well, I'm honored to bring the labia to your show. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, and and keep, us, keep us informed of, of – of, uh, is there anything that you wanted – we do post-editing, so I'll, I'll cut this part out. But is there anything you wanted to plug? Oh, yeah, do, p- plug my Instagram and my TikTok, please. Don't forget to visit Tony's Instagram her tiktok which i am now i you know i fully under i I don't i still don't understand tiktok i don't get it god damn it awesome well thanks so much for having me okay all right tony bye bye Bye, tony thanks well that went well yeah Sounds, uh, sounds my wife calling i'm sorry what I said, sounds my wife calling and fucking no one's knocking us offline. You're an odd duck, Rob. You know that? <laughs> so what do you think about Tony, mother? Uh, Tony, yes, yeah, incredible person, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Yeah, you know, there's, there's just, there's some people you can tell there's, you know, they've got a little spark to them. And it's, it's so important to keep those sparks alive as best you can, because that that's just the only way that we're going to move forward 
yeah, it's, 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 it's going to take a, a spiritual revolution to create human evolution at this fucking point. So. I feel like I'm in the middle of a fucking existential hurricane. You know what I mean? Like a fucking hurricane. And yeah, I have no idea which way to look. I have no idea what to say, right. what to recommend. Yeah. It's a fucking nightmare out there. So for somebody mm-hmm. to anything and to have good intentions and not be so fucking you know hung up by the 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 dualistic nature of our political system and well everything what did jo- uh, uh what did jacob call it the uh, oh goodness he had a, he had a some sort of a tantric name for it oh i can't remember hey 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 why why couldn't the lifeguard save the hippie why? Because he was too far out, man. He was just too <laughs> far out. <laughs> Love you, Chad. Love you too, man. Uh, I'll holler at you. I'm gonna get started on this, and you know, I'll put it out. Oh, yeah, did you gonna... website link I sent you? Uh, yeah, I don't have any credentials for it, but yeah. Yeah, could you please send me the pictures that I requested? Yeah, I'll do that. Do you do you want my left hand covering my left eye, right eye? Left hand, left eye. Okay. <laughs> Connecticut casual. Fucking Connecticut casual. Uh, I'm going to Hey, I know it's a podcast. I know no one can see you, but fucking Connecticut casual. No flip-flops. This is bullshit. I'm wearing a birthday suit and Crocs right now, motherfuckers. Oh, please don't put that in there. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> Ugh. I love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Average. Bye bye.